quickly to Revelation chapter number 2. And uh, man, I'm excited about today. I'm excited about God's Word. Uh, it's going to be hard for me to, to keep from digging into this afternoon's lesson. Uh, God, is, God is just good, isn't He? God is just good. Listen, we are, we are studying, if this is your, your first time to temple, we, we are studying the book of Revelation, the apocalypse, the, the unveiling or revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ. What God the Father chose to reveal to His children about the Son of God. And man, what, a, what an encouraging time we had the last, uh, uh, the last lesson. We, we learned about uh, the resurrected Christ, the reigning Lord, and, and how He is right now. He's not a manger baby. He's not a carpenter walking down the streets of Jerusalem with sandals. He's, he's, he's not a, a, a crucified lamb on a cross anymore. He's a resurrected Lord, and He's reigning on the throne. He is our mediator. He's our go-between. He is at the right hand of the Father standing on my behalf. Amen. What a great, exciting thing that is. But today, we're going to talk about Revelation chapter 2 and 3. The seven letters to the seven churches. Uh, We know that in that day, God told John specifically to write to seven specific churches there uh, uh, in Asia, and he said, look, I want you to write to each one, and he listed who they were, all the way from Ephesus down to Laodicea. Uh, uh, In in each one of these letters, uh, we know were specifically written down here in chapters 2 and 3. We know that the the book of Revelation is outlined in form in three ways. The things which uh, thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. In Revelation uh, one nineteen, God told John, he said, this is what I want you to write. Write the things which thou hast seen. That's chapter number one. Say that with me. That's chapter number Chapter number one, then write the things which are, or the present time, that's chapters two and three, the, the letters to the seven churches. We are in the church age. We are in the age of grace, the church age, but in, in, it is soon coming, that age is going to cease. And the Bible says in chapter 4, uh, from chapter 4 all the way to the end of the book, he said, write the things which must be hereafter, hereafter. So let's look today. In Revelation chapter number 2, in verse number 1, the Bible says, in verse number 1, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, now when you read that, we already learned last time that the angel, there's the messenger, or I believe, personally, I believe it's the pastor of that church. God is speaking to that pastor and what he is to speak to the church. He says unto the church of Ephesus, right, these things, saith he, that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and hast borne and hast patience and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will uh, come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But thou, this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which also I hate. He that hath an ear, say that with me, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now go back to verse number 2. And read the first sentence with me to the comma. I know thy works. Say it again. 
I know thy works. Go back to verse 7. Read it with me. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Dear Heavenly Father, touch us, help us, give us what we need. Lord, please anoint my mind. I need your anointing today to preach like I've never preached before. Lord, Lord, fill me with an unction from on high. I, I, I want to feel the power of the Holy Ghost today. I pray that you'll bring this word to our hearts and mend and touch and, and break what needs to be broken, convict who needs to be convicted, mend who needs to be mended. Lord, I pray that your will be done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. When studying chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, you need to understand that there's, there's, basically, there's basically three uh, 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 avenues to go in this particular area. There is a personal application, a personal application, a prophetic anticipation. You know, he, he gives a, a, a detailed, a detailed uh, uh, vision of the church and how it's going to lay out and how we will get from the, the, the apostolic church, I mean from the time that the, 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 the apostles were here on this planet, that fiery missionary zeal, all the way to the Laodicean church age where we're at right now. Uh, the age of lukewarmness, neither hot nor cold. And, 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 and the age is kind of making the Lord sick. He said, because you're lukewarm, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. And, that, and that's not where we want to be. There's, that's not where we want to be. We don't, we don't want that. We don't want to be that. We want to be on fire for God. Say amen. And, and we're going to talk about that this afternoon. And I want you to come back and be with us for that. But I want to talk primarily about the personal application. There is a practical teaching and a practical association here uh, where, where each one of those seven churches specifically in that day had specific problems that God was dealing with. How many of y'all say amen right there? But he is speaking to the church. He is speaking to the church as a whole. Now let me explain it this way. God, when he, when he saved you and me, he put you in the church, the body of Christ. And when I say that, I'm not talking about temple. I'm not talking about Bethel or I'm not, I'm not talking about uh, 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 wherever, wherever you may have been a member of in, in the past. What I'm saying, there is a universal body of Christ that every single believer, every single believer is a part of the body of Christ. The moment you got saved, you became part of the church. You became part of the body that Jesus died for. Now, if I could draw a big circle and say this is the church, this is all to save folk, well, I would fill that circle with little bitty churches because God wants you to be a part of a local church. The big body is made up of little bodies. Little, uh, uh, in other words, basically what I'm trying to say is that there is no such thing as a long-ranger Christian. There is no such thing as a freelance Christian. Because you cannot obey the, the commands of the Lord all on your own outside. You say, well, I can watch the TV preacher and I can, I can do this and I can do that. No, then how do you bear one another's burdens? How do you, who, you, who do you give your tithes and offerings to? God wants you to be part of a local assembly, but that is a part of the church, the body of Christ. And when he wrote these letters, he is speaking to the church as a whole. We all have these issues. In every, in every church age, in every time period, there are churches and people that have problems that have been discussed in these two chapters, in these seven letters. But 
there were three things, there were three things that jumped out at me that I began to read and I began to see in these seven letters that's in every one of them. There is a different problem discussed. There is a different uh, uh, a situation. There were different uh, 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 appreciation things that God gave to them and said, listen, I, I know that you're doing this, this, and this. But in all three, there were three statements that were made that was put in every single letter. And I believe that is very significant. I believe that is very important that God is speaking to all of us when he said those things. Now, I want to take those three this morning and talk about those three specific areas that God made sure he made it a priority that they were in all seven letters. All right? Church, say amen. Amen. Now, uh, number one, number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The first thing that we find... The first thing that we find that's in all seven letters, so I believe, I believe personally that we can apply that to all of us in here. Every single one of us in here. He says this in, in Ephesians, or excuse me, uh, Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 1. Listen, to every single church, every single letter, he told them before he said, uh, I, I, you're, you're separated, before he said uh, that you're soul winners, before he said anything about the church, the very first thing that he addressed, he said, I know thy works. I know thy works. I begin to read that and study that. Why would God do that? Why would he say that? Why would he, in every single letter, that was the first thing he addressed. That was the first thing he spoke about. That was the first thing that he wrote. He wanted them to know, I know thy works. If he knows our works, that means he's looking for them. That means in God's mind, in God's heart, our works, what we are doing for him is a priority in his mind. Because that is the very first thing that he looked at. He said, I know thy works. Before he said anything else, I know thy works. I know what you're doing. I know what you're not doing. I know what you should be doing. I'm walking up and down in the midst of the church. Jesus Christ is here with us today. He is as much present in this building as I'm standing before you today. And God is saying to us as the church, as the body of Christ, to every individual believer, hey, I know what you're doing. And you could put there, I know what you're not doing. I was looking at that, man, God cares about our works. God cares about what we're doing for him. God cares about how involved we are in ministry. God cares whether or not we're sitting, soaking, and souring. God cares whether or not we come to church every day and we hear and we indulge ourselves on singing and preaching and we enjoy it and it becomes a form of entertainment to us if we don't take it and do something with it. And we think we're good Christians because we showed up at church. We think we're good Christians because we brought our Bible. We think we're good Christians because we paid our tithes. But how many of us are leaving this church and taking Jesus to that lost world that's out there? How many of us are operating in the gift that God has given all of us? Oh, well, preacher, I've got this, you know, and I've got this situation. Well, I've got this. You know, well, I'm just, we've just been visiting here. What excuse are you going to give God when you make it there? What are you going to tell him? Because the Bible says we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And he's going to say, I know your works. And you're not going to be able to give all the excuses you're giving us. 
You're not going to be give this, and you're not going to be able to give the excuses you're giving the preacher or, or, or the deacon or, or, or the song leader or, or whoever. God's going to say, what are you doing with what I gave you? I bled and died for you. I left, the, listen, the gates of heaven, and I came to this earth. I was rich, and I became poor so that you could be rich. I died. I was butchered, battered, and betrayed so that you could be free, and you did nothing with what I gave you. I know your works. I know what you're doing. I know what you're not doing. I know thy works. I went down, I went down and looked up a few verses when it came to works because if this was important to Jesus, then it should be important to us. Amen? Amen. Listen, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, don't turn, you can look at it, but, but I, I'll give it to you so we can save time. Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. I, I, a brother came up to me before the church, and and he does little carvings in in, in walnuts, and 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 I think it's walnuts, walnuts or uh, something. I believe it's walnuts, but or, 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 or anyhow, and, and man, it's the coolest thing in the world. I mean, it got a cross on one side, it's got a manger on the other side, it's got a person praying on the other side, and 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 that is his workmanship. That was what he did. That was his design. That was his effort that he put in there. That was his workmanship. But the Bible says we are Christ's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto or for the purpose of good works. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I looked up that word ordained. That word ordained means to prepare beforehand. Prepare beforehand. In other words, before I ever surrendered to preach, Brother David, God had already put in me what I needed to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. God had already put it in me. It wasn't that I had to get it. It wasn't that I had to put it here. I had to develop it. I had to sharpen and hone the skills that God already gave me. That's why you see some people that can get up and they just ain't got it. Hello? I've seen people that wanted to preach, but they couldn't preach worth a quarter. And it wasn't because they just didn't have it. That was not what God designed for them to be. But there are some people, they got it. The it factor, the place, the thing that God put in them, that they, some of them had to get better at it and develop that, but it was already there. The point is this. Listen, when you're saved, you have a gift. You have a gift. Even, even before you're saved, you already got what God gave you. For example, the, the, the hoodlum on the street, this the gang leader, he is showing and operating in the gift of leadership, even though he's doing it for a wrong reason. Now, that, that means God gave him a gift, but he's not using it for the right reason. He could take that same gift, get saved, born again, sanctified, and put him in an area of ministry, and he lead that thing to the promised land. But God is saying this, I have given you what you need. Quit making excuses. Quit saying, I don't have what I need. I have prepared you before you ever took your first breath. I've already given you what you need. Just get busy doing it. When I surrendered to preach, my dad, this is his exact words. Exact words. I surrendered to preach on a Sunday night. I, I, he said, be ready Wednesday. Three days, are you with me? And this is what he said. Son, the only way you're going to learn how to do it is just get in there and do it. Now, do you think, do you think, oh, have mercy on the people that had to hear me in the beginning? 
even more mercy than those that hear me now. Say amen. It was awful. I mean, it was, in the beginning, it was, they used to make fun of me. They said, man, I went to the bathroom in your introduction, and when I came out, you was in the conclusion. Three or four minutes, that was all I had. And all y'all say, well, where did that go? Amen. (laughs) We make all kind of excuses to not do what God's called and purpose for us to do. Well, I ain't no good at it. Well, you ain't never going to get good at it until you start it. Amen. Preach, preacher. That's good stuff. I can shout for me. That's okay. Amen. I didn't get to be here last week, and I was dying. Now I'm going to preach double time. Say amen. God prepared you. God has put in you something that, that, that could be used to edify and build up the body of Christ. Not only that, but bring the most unbelievable satisfaction to you. Can y'all tell I dig what I get to do? This goes on the internet, so i got to be careful. I really wanted to preach last Sunday. Sometimes when what I'm listening to, uh, it really motivates me to want to be up there. Are y'all with me? Y'all getting it? But I really wanted to preach. Man, I love this. You know why? Because God designed me for this. When I first, when, I, when God was calling me, I said, ain't no way. Lord, no, 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 no. Till I stepped out there, man, I, I can't even imagine doing anything different. But look, there is a divine design. Say that with me. There is a, there's a divine design. But then there's a determined destiny. When it comes to our works, i got to hurry because i got to get to number three. There is a determined destiny. Not only divine design, God divined, he, he, he divinely designed you to do good works for him. There's a determined destiny. The Bible says in Matthew 16, 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross or his commission or his purpose and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what, uh, it says, it says, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Then watch this. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his work. There are people running around this planet right now trying to save their life. And what I mean by that, I'm not talking about from death, for destruction. In other words, they're trying to find happiness. They're trying to do it themselves. They're trying to uh, find peace and running about trying to make themselves happy. And they're never happy. They're never satisfied. Ask Tiger Woods. Got more billions, got more billions than, than, and, and now he's, so miserable, you can't even, it, it's unbelievable. But then there are other people that sacrificed everything to reach somebody else. There's somebody else that's, that's turned their back on this world and said, Lord, whatever I have, I give to you, and Lord, let me do. And they are happy. Are y'all with me? 
happy. You know why? Because God said, go ahead and try to find it on your own. You ain't going to find it. But if you'll come to me, I'll give you what you're looking for over there. When he comes, you determine what you get. Oh, I'll be just, I'll be just happy to miss hell. Yeah, okay, you say that now. But wait till he's standing right in front of you. Wait till you can see with your very own eyeballs the wounds that he will carry for eternity. Do you understand that? He will carry, those are not scars. Those are wounds that he will carry for eternity. Now, when you're standing eyeball to eyeball to that, and then you say, I'm just glad I miss hell. You're going to say, you're going to say, I take your gift of salvation, but I didn't do nothing in appreciation for it. You determine your destiny. Say amen. Amen. I know thy works. I know thy works. We not only see a divine design that determined destiny. This this is for some of y'all that are tired of hearing about it. There is a deliberate declaration. A deliberate declaration. Well, just preach the Bible. Get get move on. Don't talk about the gifts and and and, and works and, and you know, I know that, but I, I just let me be what I, I want to be. Okay. I got a verse for you. Titus 3 8. This is a faithful saying. Now watch what Paul tells Titus. And these things I will that thou how how, how will you affirm it? Constantly. In other words, you bring it up all the time. You bring it up all the time. You affirm constantly. Constantly you tell them. Constantly you preach it. Constantly you teach it. That they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Oh, but preacher, just go talk about John. Go talk. I, I'm just satisfied where I am. It doesn't matter what you're. I shall not be moved. Well, listen, you just get ready to hear it, honey, because God told me to affirm it constantly. God has gifted you. God has saved you. God has purposed you to be involved in good works here in your community, here in your church, here in your country. And he is not satisfied to let you sit back and soak and sour and not be involved in something that's going to make a difference in somebody's life where you will have treasure in heaven. Honey, it's time to get busy. Because he said, I know thy work. I know thy works. I know them. The reason he knows them, he's looking for them. The reason he knows them, because he's concerned about them. The reason he knows them, because they are a priority to him. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The second phrase. What was the first phrase? I I know thy works. Then he said this, and this this is important. Mercy. I probably should have done this one first, but The other one was first in chronological order, so I'm going to do this one second. He said, he that hath an ear, let him hear. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Uh, That's not saying, since we all come in here with an ear, I mean, you can apply it that way, but it's it's different. It's different. And, And Jesus, he... You ever notice how many times he spoke in parables? And there were certain people that had an ear for it and certain people that didn't. Now, let me see if I can apply it this way, see if you understand it. 
I, when, when, when our kids were little, when our kids still happens today as far as that goes, but when, especially when our kids were little, uh, they could be outside playing. I'd come home from uh, the church or work or somewhere I was at, and man, it's, it was the awfulest sound. I mean, they're screaming. There is things going on, and Tammy ain't blinked an eye. I mean, I'm jumping, oh, dear God, some, something's broke. They, some, they have cut something off. Something is missing. I mean, and I, I mean, they, they, I, I'll hear a scream, and I jump this high off the ground. Tammy never stops. She just keeps on doing whatever she's doing. And I said, Tammy, go check. She said, they're all right. They're all right. You know why? She has an But she can hear the first little somewhat off, and out the door she goes. And I'm like, what? What? Ladies, y'all know what I'm talking about. She has an ear for it. I, I've gone to Dorgan's. I've gone to Dorgan's, and he have a vehicle in there. Things sound like it's humming like a hummingbird to me. I said, you got this one fixed? He said, no, it's missing. Can't you hear it? <laughs> oh, yeah, now that you mention it. <laughs> it must be this side. No, it's over this side over here. Amen. <laughs> now, why can he do that? He has an ear and that's what jesus is saying when you come to this house do you have an ear to hear that's why some folks can come to this house and hear the preaching of the word it changed their life they leave in tears they leave leave a different person and i mean and others just leave and then others leave mad with the same message same preaching same preacher, some leave shaking my hand with gritted teeth, some are crying and squalling on my shoulder and what it meant to them. You say, you got any Bible for that? Sure. In Acts chapter number 2, uh, Peter preached the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even, I mean, he was even, I think, in some ways more forceful than Stephen was because and, and, he said, you killed the prince of life. And, and you know what the Bible says? They were pricked in their heart. And it says, men and brethren, what must we do? And Peter said, repent and be saved. And this is what the Bible says. And they that gladly received the word, they got saved. God added them to the church. They were pricked in their heart. God, yeah, God did step on their toes. But they didn't get attitude about it. And they got right, and their lives changed, and everything was great for them. But then you got, then you got some folks over there in Acts chapter number 8. I believe it's Acts chapter number 8. It's either 7 or 8. The story of Stephen. Stephen preached the same gospel. You can, you can almost verbatim. He said the same exact thing that Peter did, and the Bible says they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed on him with their teeth, and they took him outside and stoned him. Are y'all with me? You know why? Because one group had an ear to hear. But the other group, they didn't. They didn't. Now, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Uh, uh, there are times, there are times that God, he just drives down my driveway, parks in my garage, and beeps the horn. I'm thinking, God, you're getting a little bit close right there. But you know what? He does it for our own good. Now, did you come here this morning, today? Did you come in this house 
with an ear to hear? Or did you come because it's Sunday? Did you come because your spouse made you or your parents made you? Did you come because you felt obligated to God? Or did you come saying, I'm going to go hear from God this morning? Let me, let me, let me help you. I, I went back to see how, how can I have an ear to hear? Because I want an ear to hear. I want when God speaks to me, I don't want him to have to roar like a lion. I want him to be able to speak in that still, small voice. And me hear him. The Bible says this. In, in 1 Thessalonians 2.13 The Bible says, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing because, now watch this, when ye received the word of God which ye have heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Now, here's the thing. This will help you. This will help you have an ear to hear. That when you look at the word that's being preached, when you look at the word that's being preached, you need to look way past me to the one who sent it. How many of y'all, how many of uh, y'all, after a certain church service, you thought your phone was bugged at your house? (laughs) You told him... I mean, you're ready to fight your wife all the way home. And she ain't told me nothing. Because there was somebody bigger in the room talking. But see, what we do, we focus on the messenger. He's prying in my business. We'll get mad at the mailman. I mean, when the mailman brings a, a, a letter, a bill, you don't take your high-powered rifle and shoot him out of your driveway. But boy, you let the preacher get close. It's amazing how much people like preaching as long as it's on somebody else. Son, they'll shout, bless God, hallelujah, amen. And when they park, whoa, whoa. You got, you got to laugh to keep from crying. It's so true. Everybody likes the preacher to preach on everybody else's sins. We like to watch everybody else squirm until it comes home. But what would change your attitude about that? Listen, I, I can help you keep from getting mad at the preacher any more in the rest of your life. If you look from your side up, And while the preaching's going on, just imagine God is speaking directly to you. You'll never get mad at the preacher again. Be my guest. That's what they did. Is that not what that verse said? You didn't receive it from men. You received it as it was coming from God. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what the skeptics are thinking. I know what the the ones that's been mad. Well, how do I know it's God? Man, I got a great verse for you. Because it's not always God. There were seven preachers on TV today, and, and, and I would say, dare say hardly any of them was from God. But there's a way to find out. There's a way. We don't, I don't, I'm not saying you blindly follow anybody. I don't want you to blindly follow me. But this is what we need to do. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, 
It says, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Now watch what it says. In that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Let me give you some advice. When the preacher says something that makes you mad, go see if you can find it in the Bible. And if it's in the Bible, get over it. If it's not, then take it to the preacher. And say, I, could, I couldn't find it. You were saying, this, I couldn't find it. Where, where is that at? What chapter and verse is that at? Because see, then the preacher's going to have to say, hmm. But if it's there, oh, I learned a new one from my brother this week, my philosopher. Uh, uh, before it was a mind changed against its will is of the same opinion still. And the, and the other one was, the next one was, uh, uh, it just is what it is. I tell him a problem, he said, hey, it's, it is what it is. Boy, if we could get that right there. We cry so much about where we are, hey, it is what it is. Let's just go on. It is what it is. I wrote that one down. But now, oh, I got a good one. Now, hey, I'm over it. Shine on. We get through with something. Hey, I'm over it. Shine on. I said, Joe, do you see what they... Hey, he said, I'm over it. Shine on. Y'all come to me with a problem? Hey, I'm over it. Shine on. Amen. You know why? It is what it is. <laughs> I love my brother. Hey, he can help us, y'all. I'm putting him on staff. Y'all say what you want to. We need to get over some things, don't we? Especially if you can find it in the Bible, you need to get over it. Some of you are mad now because you think I'm forcing you to work. Yes! How many verses do I have to give you? It is what it is. Amen? Listen, we need to pattern our lives at the place it says look if we will how are we going to have an ear to hear then we look at it this is coming from god god is speaking to me he is using his word he is using the scriptures and his servant to to bring me what i need there is a person put that on there the person that's heard if we will look at it as god is speaking to me that will give us an ear to hear but not only that but don't you see this right there there is a pattern that's heeded in that next verse in acts uh, uh, 7 11 there that we've read it says this excuse me seventeen eleven. in that they received the word with all readiness of mind that is the hard one it's not hard for me it's not hard for me to look at that God is speaking to me that's not hard it's not hard for me to uh, fathom when I read the Bible that God's trying to tell me something the hard part is doing it with a ready willing mind or an open mind. See, what most of us do, and I say most, some of us do, we come into church with our critique pad ready to try to find something that we can criticize. Try to find something, especially if the, the preacher or the leadership is doing something that you don't like. We try to find something that we don't like. We go into the situation, and, and let, me get, let me help you with that. I can show you a bunch of things that I'm not satisfied with. 
But if we was to come in here and forget about the opinions, forget about the things we don't like, forget about the criticism, but just come in here and say, God, speak to me, help me, give me what I stand in need of. I am here with an open mind. I am willing to do what you tell me to do. God will speak to you in the most incredible way. God will show you things you've never seen before because he knows he has a ready mind. He has a willing heart. He has an open mind to take in. Do you know who the teachers like the most? Those teachable students. Those teachable students. Coaches do not like to coach people that know everything. They do not. They can't stand that. They want somebody to say, hey, here I am, teach me. And you know what? Jesus is the same way. Some of y'all, he can't teach anything because you already know everything. And you ain't doing anything with what you already know. But if we come in here and say, God, help me. God, teach me. God, show me. I have an ear to hear. Lord, speak to my heart. I guarantee you, there's never a day you'll leave this building that you won't hear from God. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I love being in a place where when the, the, listen, the scriptures are being preached, the spirit is active, saying, that's it. This is where you need adjusting. This is where you need changing. This is where you need help. Church, say amen. Not only the activity he addresses, he says, I know thy works, but then the attention he admonishes. Do you give attention to the word? Do you give attention to the word? To him who is speaking to you, says, let him hear. But then lastly, this is great stuff. This is good stuff. He says in every single, every single one of them, he that overcometh. I used to think, I used to think, and I'm almost done, so just, just bear with me. I used to think that that was a, that was a superior type of Christian. I used to think that, you know, I know he's speaking to the church, but he says to them that overcome, and, and, and that's, that's that, that, that Christian, that's, that's that sold-out Christian. That's that, that's that one that's, I mean, he is in like Flynn. I mean, he, he, if it's there, he's there. I mean, if this needs to be done, he does it. I mean, he's just the one that reads his Bible on purpose. Say amen. That's who I thought that was in reference to. But it's not. It's not. He that overcometh. I, I, kept, I kept reading that and studying that and studying that and studying that. And man, what I found out is great. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 1 John 5, verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Not our struggling, not our fighting, not our warfare, but our faith. The moment that you got saved, you became an overcomer. It says this, Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? 1 John 4, 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, some of y'all are not getting it yet, but let me lay it out for you. The reason that excites me so much, 
the reason that that does something for me. I'm not always feeling like an overcomer. There are days in my life and days in my ministry I don't feel like anything but a failure. I don't feel like anything but somebody who can't get anything done for God. I feel like quitting and throwing in the towel. This is too much for me. I can't do it. But Jesus says, no matter what, you are an overcomer. No matter what it looks like, you're an overcomer. No matter what the world does, you're an overcomer. No matter what comes your way, you're an overcomer. One glad getting up day, we're going to walk through the streets of gold. I may have two black eyes and a bloody nose. I may be missing a few teeth, but I'm getting in because I am an overcomer. I am not an overcomer because of what I have done. The Bible says we are overcomers by our faith. And God is saying in every generation, in every church, there are tares among the wheat. There are wolves in sheep's clothing. There's always a mixed multitude. There will always be some that are in and some that are out. But God is saying to the truly born again child of God, you are an overcomer. Even in the Laodicean age, even in the age when people are lukewarm, even in the age when people are not hot and they're not cold, they're not in and they're not out. He said you can be an overcomer. You can be a Philadelphian church Christian. You can be on fire for God. Even if everybody is icebergs around you, you are an overcomer. I'm getting in, Bo. I'm an overcomer. You don't look like one, but when it's said and done, honey, I'm an overcomer. When it's all written down, I'm an overcomer. When that trumpet sounds, I'm an overcomer. When he calls my name, I'm an overcomer. When I step on the street of gold, I'm going to see a mansion that's got my name on it because I'm an overcomer. I want you to see the title, the title he gives. Some of you have been dragging around. You You got carpet burns on your chin. The devil's been beating you up because of the economy. Because of everything going on, maybe because of your past. Your past is trying to run you down and haunt you. You need to turn around and tell your past. You need to turn around and tell the devil. You need to turn around and tell the economy. You need to turn around and tell everything that's been telling you you're nobody. You tell them, God said, you're an overcomer. You're an overcomer. Say amen. I feel like going to one of them spirituals. We shall overcome. Amen. It looks bad for the church right now. The church as a whole in America is dying. Churches are closing the doors every single week. But he said on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know what he said? We're going to overcome. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Listen. The title he gives. But then B, write this down. Don't you see the truth he guarantees? And all seven letters. And the reason I know every child of God is an overcomer is if you look at all those promises and compare them to other parts of the New Testament, those are promises only given to save people. There's three areas of these promises. I know there were seven different specific promises, but they're all followed up in these three areas. First is provision. He talks about the tree of life. Being able to partake of the tree of life in the hidden manna. I think one of the most sad things I've ever seen is hungry children. Listen, those little children in Haiti starving to death. And I know you might have your own opinion about all that junk, but 
Pat Robertson said they made a deal with the, I don't care who made it, what deal. Hungry children are hungry children. But we're coming today when ain't going to be hungry no more. There's going to be provision to the overcomer. Listen, not only provision, but then he said this. There's going to be protection. He said, you shall be saved from the second death. In other words, and also, and also he promised the church that they would not go through tribulation. And we're going to go into that in detail this afternoon. He said, I will save you from that hour. Listen, we're going to be protected. We're going to be protected from the gates of hell. We're going to be protected from the beast and the antichrist. There's going to be protection. Everybody wants provision and security. Don't we? And God is promising that to all of the saved. Not only provision, not only protection, but last of all, promotion. You shall, him that overcometh, he shall reign with me. I'm going to give him authority. I'm going to give him authority. I told, I told my brother, I'm, I'm putting in for South Florida. That's where I want to reign in the millennial reign. Some are like, huh? Oh, what are you talking about? Here's the point. When Jesus comes back for a thousand years in the millennial reign after the seven years of tribulation, we're going to reign and rule with him. Depending on what you do right now. Some of you, you're going to be mayors of cities. And some of you are going to clean out closets. I don't want to study your Bible. You who were faithful with little shall be given much. There's going to be a promotion one day. I know this world... Is in a bad way. And I know it seems like the devil's winning. And I know it seems like uh, these corrupt mayors, corrupt politicians, corrupt senators, and corrupt governors. But there's coming a day when they're all getting kicked out of office. And the, and the world Caesar, the world leader, the world governor, the captain of our salvation. He's going to rule and reign. And one day, if you're saved, you're born again. Listen, you are, you are operating the way God has commanded you to operate. You're going to get a promotion out of this world. Church, say amen. amen. Now listen, some of you, you couldn't enjoy the overcomer point because you're still mad about the works point. In the words of Josephus Cyrus Carter, it is what it is. I will not apologize for God's word. This that I, I, I want you to affirm constantly. If we are not operating 
and involved in a ministry that God has gifted you for, you're wrong. And you're missing out on rewards on a daily basis. Just say like this, hey, I'm over it. I'm shining on. Say it with me. I'm over it. Let's shine on. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father.